Welcome to Activate Church Podcast and thanks for listening. We hope this message helps you and we pray that God speaks to you through this week's message. Now we're going to start a new series uh, this week and uh, the series is the book of First John. And uh, it deals with life and light and love. And I'm really excited about this. I've been wanting to do this all year. And uh, First John is one of my favorite books. I just think it's content rich. There is just so much good stuff in there. And so over the next five weeks, we're going to look at that. And uh, I thought what I might do this morning, just to begin, maybe give you a little bit of an overview about John, about who he was, and about the book of First John. And First uh, John is kind of like the guide to good living. Um, you know, not the guide to good eating, it's the guide to good living. There's just so much stuff in there that's good for you and good for your life. It's about making better decisions. He talks a lot about light and darkness. And uh, John is uh, one of these guys who is brutally honest. Uh, he wrote this. He didn't verbally give this to someone, I, I don't think. He wrote it, so he just wrote down whatever he thought. And, you know, maybe I wouldn't feel so comfortable to be as brutally honest, but there will probably be a few moments in the next five weeks where you just sort of confronted by something that's really honest. And I think it's great for us as Christian people. If you're here and you're, you're, you're not a Christian, awesome. So glad you can lean into some of the things that the Bible says. But honestly, I just think it's so great to sometimes be confronted with some of those things. So let me tell you a little bit about John first. He wrote uh, the book of First John. Would you believe that he also wrote Second John and Third John? I know. And he wrote the gospel uh, of John. And he wrote Revelation, and he just names all of his books after himself, you know? No, it's not true. He didn't really name those books himself, but uh, he wrote about it. He was the disciple whom Jesus loved, except he wrote that about himself, so that's kind of interesting as well. You know, he was the disciple whom Jesus loved. You know, when all of Jesus' disciples, they scattered when Jesus was being crucified, you know, John was there at the foot of the cross, and as Jesus was dying, he told John to look after his mum, and so John said that he would. And so he looked after uh, Jesus' mum. I don't know how fit John was, but I know for a fact that he was fitter than Peter. So I don't know if, if Pete was, you know, sluggish or unfit, but I know that he outran Peter on the way to the tomb. He was there on the day of resurrection. I think that's so important because what we're about to hear this morning doesn't just come out of some story that he heard from a guy down the road. I mean, when we talk about John, we're talking about first-hand account information. He just wrote it down as he saw it. He wrote it down as he heard it directly from Jesus. Jesus himself. He wrote this book that we're about to read this morning uh, in about 85 to 95 AD, and it was a response to Gnosticism. And if that word means nothing to you, I'll just go ahead and try to make it really simple. It's about getting salvation through, uh, you know, through secret knowledge, or, or you, you can start to progress through levels of knowledge. And you know, I, I just kind of think that the gospel is not meant to be complicated. You know, I heard it once said that theologians, they take something simple and make it complicated. Well, I think preachers should take something complicated and make it very simple. And I don't think that the gospel is meant to be hard to understand. I think the gospel, which is simply the message that Jesus died on the cross to set us free from the power of sin over our lives, that He gave us His perfect life in place of our own, and that we would go on to live a life for Him. I think it's a really simple message. I think that whatever culture you come from, whatever background you have, no matter who you are, 
are. It doesn't matter your education level. There's nothing really too complicated about the message of the gospel. So, I mean, today I'm going to preach a really simple and yet I think a very profound message. But the message of the gospel is a really simple one. And he says, guys, I want you to know that what I'm about to say to you, it's what I've seen, it's what I've heard. And unlike so many of us, it's what I've touched. And so he's touched Jesus physically. And I mean, he was there at the time. So that's a little bit about John. Why don't we pray together and then we can get straight into it. God, we pray that over the next five weeks, that Lord, we'd hear from you and we'd see. Lord, we hear from John that he says he heard and he saw and he touched. But God, that's my prayer too, that you know, over the next couple of weeks that we would hear from you, that we would see you, that Lord, we would, it might even reach out and touch you. And God, I just pray that your word would just come and, and speak straight to our hearts this morning. Lord, I pray that we'd be open. I pray that there would be revelation, just a, a spirit of revelation in your church, in your house. And God, that we would lean into all the things that your word says in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, if you have a Bible, uh, I'm going to begin reading. Now, the thing about this, let me touch on this for a minute. The way that John wrote is really interesting. So we, I wanted to work through the book of John. And sometimes when you work through a book of the Bible, it's just linear. In other words, it just starts in chapter 1, then 2, then 3, and goes on. But John, the way that he writes is he sort of visits an idea. Then he goes off about something else. And then he sort of comes back to that idea. So I've taken the liberty of stringing together the different bits and pieces. So we're going to look like we're sort of jumping around in the book of John, but actually it's the best way to read this. It's the best way for the information to come through. So we're going to look at uh, John, 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 to 10. And he says, walking in the light. He begins here. He says, this is the message that we have heard from him and we proclaim to you. Heard it straight from God and he proclaims it to us. He says that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. None. He says, if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and we do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he's in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If, however, we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word, it's not in us. Um, I remember when I was a kid, I hated the darkness because I didn't know what was in it. Does anybody, I'm not alone, right? Like when you're a kid, you hated the darkness, yeah? Yeah, well... I'm going to be honest this morning, tell you a little story about myself. I used to wake up at night and uh, I realized, oh man, I've got, to, I've got to go to the toilet. But I don't want to get out of my bed because it's dark. But I've got a problem that won't quit. So I'm like, well, what am I going to do? And uh, the way that my, my, there was my bedroom and then there was, I had to walk past our bathroom and then across the kitchen through the laundry to the toilet. It's a lot of rooms to get through in the dark, you know. And so I would get up and, you know, I, I've heard it said that kids are really open to things of the Spirit and, and that we learn to shut that stuff down as we get older. We just disregard it. 
Maybe that's true, but I'm telling you, when I was a kid, I would see some of the scariest stuff that would frighten anyone. I mean, I would see the most horrible looking faces and that would be looking at me and just really scary stuff, you know? And to be honest, I didn't want to confront that. I just wanted to stay in bed. I wanted to stay warm. I didn't want to deal with that. So the thing is, is that uh, on the way to the toilet, I told you that our bathroom was right next to it, yeah? Well, I used to just go into the shower and do a wee in there. Because it's all pipes. It's going down there and it's going to get to where, I mean, it's not a drinking fountain, you know. It's, it's all pipes. It should work. It's fine. I didn't want to go out because I was afraid of the dark. And uh, we'd get up in the morning and my parents would be in the, the bathroom, and they would say, Do you smell that? Uh, it's, 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 like someone, it's like someone did a wee in here. And I'd be like, ha, 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 that's crazy. Oh, man. Oh, you guys are crazy. That's so funny. What, what, do you, what, is, what do you think? Like, what, somebody just went in here in the night, and they did a wee, and then they went straight back into the bed because they are afraid of the dark? <laughs> hey, we, man. We got to get to school, so we didn't have time to talk about this. Let's just get in the car and get. To school. I wouldn't talk about it because I knew it was weird and I knew it was strange, and I didn't want to confront that in myself, you know. So it's just easier to just ignore the problem. And the problem was because I didn't like the darkness. I didn't know what was in it. I was afraid of it. I would see scary things. One of the things I love about God is that He is light. He is light. In Him, there's no darkness at all. Do you know that James 1.17 says that He is the Father of lights, that in Him there's no shadow, there's no variation? Do you know what that means? It means that He's consistent. It means that if you ever have an issue with trusting God, it may be that you don't know Him. The truth is, if God ever fails you, you'll be the first one in history ever. I'm telling you this morning, no matter who you are, or what your background is or what your perception is of God, I'm telling you right now, you can always trust Him. He is centered around this one point that He loves you. He was actually even willing to send His own Son to die upon a cross so that you could be set free from the power of sin. So if He was willing to do that, trust me, He's going to make the right call every time. You can always trust that God's going to do what He said He was going to do. Do you know the Word says that, that His Word is a lamp unto our feet. When you're trying to navigate through life and you don't know what path you should take, hello, everyone, at some point in your life, this will happen to you, and you don't know what path you should take, I reckon one of the best things you can do is have the Word of God because it's a lamp unto your feet. It's actually light unto your... Correct. It's a light unto your path. It actually illuminates the way you should go. You know, when it comes to the Word of God, we just need to sometimes be reading this and getting this stuff in this because it brings life for, it brings light for living. Do you know what? So many people, and I said this in recent weeks, so many people sometimes they pray to God and they're saying, God, I don't know what I should do about this situation or that situation. Sometimes we don't need a voice. We do need a verse because His Word will never fail you. So here's the thing. If you're unsure about what you should do, I'm going to make a promise to you that 
All Scripture is God-breathed and it will be good for teaching you the way that you should go. So if you're unsure, then just get around this and get some of this in you and it's actually going to help you to live the life that God wants you to live. See, the thing about light is that light, it actually just illuminates what's already there. It doesn't, it, it doesn't hide anything. Darkness hides things from us, but light illuminates what is already there. And it's not sometimes until that light gets shone that you can actually see some things and some things that you should avoid. Do you know that you were created to live in light? In other words, when you're living in darkness, that is the place that you were not created for. Now this, I don't know, you guys look like a smart bunch of people this morning. So I'm just going to go ahead and say, you're not whales and you're not bats. Do you know whales and bats, they have like sonar? Do you know why they have that? So they can navigate in the dark, but you weren't created with that. You were created with eyes to see. You know why? Because actually God intended on you using them. And the time when your eyes will fail you is when everything's dark around you. You were created to live in the light. You weren't actually created to live in the darkness. Here's what the Word of God says. It says, but you are a chosen race. You may not feel like it today, but you've been chosen by God. You are a chosen race. You're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for His own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who did what? He called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. God calls people out of darkness and into His marvelous light. Here's the big idea. God's calling you out of darkness. He's calling you out. And when God ever calls you out of anywhere, there is a really good process that you could have down pat, which I'm going to give you. It's a pattern for your life. And whenever God calls you out, this is one of the best things that you can do. It looks just like what we do in worship. You put your hands up. Whenever you put your hands up, you know, it's like if the cops were saying, hey, they're pointing their guns at someone that's in the house. Come out with your hands up. So you come out like this. Because you know what this is? Two things. It's a sign of surrender. And at the very same time, it's a sign of victory. See, what do people do at the football when their team wins? Hawthorne supporters don't do this, but everyone else goes. Do you know why? Because their team won. See, when it comes to the issue of God, when He begins to call you out of darkness, the best thing that you could do is surrender to Him to do things the way that He wants, when He wants, how He wants. And at the same time that you surrender, you're also victorious. You got to surrender and live in that victory at the exact same time. My kids and I, we play this game called Marco Polo. Have you ever played that? So I get a blindfold and they tie it around my eyes so I can't see anything. We turn all the lights off and we play it at night so no light gets in and we close the curtains and then I have to find them in the dark, okay? And so I start searching around for them. And if you have you ever seen anyone search around in the dark, you take on the most bizarre behavior. You, I don't know why you do this, but you sort of stick your butt out a little bit and your hands go out and you have like a danger perimeter and you walk carefully and because you can't see anything and you're very, very cautious about everything that could bump into you because you don't want to hurt yourself, right? Actually, people do life like that in the darkness as well. 
You know, you can bump into things. When you're in darkness, you can't see what's in there. And so you develop this really bizarre walk. It's a little bit defensive sometimes. And you can't see things that you might bump into. So you just start to look a bit weird and a bit awkward. It's because you weren't created or designed to live like that. I want to show you something this morning that has caused me great, immense pain in my life. This is one of the most dangerous objects we have in my house. I know that doesn't look dangerous to you, but let me tell you something about what you're looking at. This is the most dangerous object in my house. You notice in the top left corner, there's some clothes on the floor there. I was actually going to, no, they're my clothes. I was going to take them out of the photo, but then I thought, I just want to be honest with you, I have a messy house, messy room. So I left them there in the photo so you could see. And, uh, and we used to, the house that we used to have when we got married, it was a much smaller house. So the gap between the wall and the corner of that bed was very small. And I can tell you right now, it will hit me about here. Do you know what it's like to be hit in the same spot with the same thing that caused the bruise in the, in the first place? It's like every time I hit it, it would send pain through my body. And it's like, I'm, here I am and I'm saying to you, this is the most dangerous thing that we've got in my house. And you would say to me, well, can't you just avoid it? Just go around it. Yeah, I know that makes sense in the light. But when it's dark and you're finding your way to your bed, you bump into stuff and it hurts. And that's what people do when they're in the dark. They bump into things and it causes pain in their life and it begins to hurt. Do you know why? Because you cannot avoid what you cannot see. You cannot avoid what you cannot see. And it's not actually until light appears that you realize you're in darkness. You sort of just become accustomed to it. It becomes your world. Do you know what we would call that? If we were using biblical language, we would probably call that revelation. Revelation is when God begins to speak to you about things that have been hidden from you. And maybe before you were a Christian, you lived in a certain way and you were bumping into stuff all the time. It was causing you pain, but you didn't know that you should avoid it because you couldn't see where it was in the first place. And then you became a Christian, if you are, in fact, here today, and you became a Christian. And suddenly there was all these things that God says, don't do this, do do that. Why? Not to be religious, to actually help you avoid pain in your life. And when the light of God begins to shine in your world, you begin to see things that you've never, ever seen before. Here's an interesting point. John said that you can't actually have a relationship with Jesus and walk in darkness in the, at the same time. So one of the best indicators of whether you're walking with God is you just go, am I in the dark? Am I walking in darkness? Is that Because if you're in the dark, you obviously you can't be in the light. And if you're in the dark, I'm telling you right now, you're going to bump into stuff in your life and it's going to hurt you. Sin always hurts you. Sin, when I, when I talk about sin, I mean when you willingly, knowingly, purposefully, habitually, intentionally continue to go against the things that God says. When you live that lifestyle, it always hurts and it always harms you. And you have got to know if you ever find yourself in that spot, in that spot don't ever try to spiritualize it and say, well, God has led me here because God never leads people into darkness. Now, when I talk about darkness, I don't mean you don't have challenges in your life, because let's face it, we all have challenges, yeah? 
I have stuff that happens in my life that I, you know, you have moments where you go, this is not working out the way that I had it planned it. And that's not the kind of darkness we're talking about. I'm talking about the kind of darkness where you walk away from God and find yourself far from His presence. He will never, ever lead you there. And you would think that if you were in darkness, that you would look around and say, oh man, I just realized something. I'm, I'm in the dark. But people are in the dark. They never realize it. That's actually the whole point of why he wrote this, because it's actually not obvious to people. So what I might do right now, is it okay with you? I'm going to give you three things that will tell you if you're in the dark. There's probably more than that, but here are just three things I'm going to center on this morning that will let you know if you're in the dark. If you've never invited Jesus to be the Lord and the Savior of your life, I'm telling you right now, you're in darkness. And, you know, if you've never prayed the prayer of salvation, if you've never said, God, I'm going to give my whole heart to you. I'm going to give my life to you. I'm going to follow you. I promise you right now, if you've never said that, you are, whether you realize it or not, and you probably don't, you are actually in darkness. That's the first one. Number two, if you violate your conscience. You know, like sometimes people's conscience will speak to them and they'll say, don't do that. And then they find a way around that feeling or those words that say, don't do that. They find a way around that and they explain it to themselves. And what happens is people normalize sin until they stop feeling bad about it. And this is one of the worst things that you could do. Do continually go against God until you stop feeling bad about that and then take that as an admission on God's behalf that He stopped convicting you because it's actually okay to behave that way. Actually, no, let me, let me tell you what happens. If you ever arrive at that point, here's what Paul the Apostle said. He said, you've seared your conscience. When you sear your conscience, it means you have gone through that pattern so many times that the thing that should make you feel maybe guilty or maybe I shouldn't have done that and, and so forth, you don't have that anymore because you kept doing the wrong thing so many times until you stopped feeling bad about that. If you want to know what you should do and what you shouldn't do, I kind of already gave you the answer. You should just read the Word of God. Don't look to God's voice as a way of getting out of His Word. They'll never contradict each other. They will always say the same thing. So if you ever hear God say to you, yeah, I think I should have an affair. Guess what? Bad idea. And you didn't get that from God. You didn't hear that from Him. You didn't hear it from him because he never said it to you. So whenever there's a contradiction between what God is saying to you in his voice when in prayer time and what the word says, then you just have to go with this because you're probably not hearing right. If the Bible says, don't cheat on your taxes, guess what? You don't cheat on your taxes, which means you don't claim stuff just to get away with the maximum return that you can get back. It actually has something to say about your integrity. What you're really saying is, is that this is a victimless crime and I can get away with it. And besides, the government, I deserve something back. That's starting to justify something you know is wrong. And you're doing it in a way because you're going to get a return. And so many people can make this mistake. And you know what the scary part about that is? You say, oh, taxes, who cares? Yeah, it's a pattern of behavior that will begin to be repeated in other areas of your life. And if you start to repeat that pattern and you start to explain stuff away, you could find yourself in all kinds of trouble. If the Bible says don't lie, guess what? I know it seems so obvious to you. Don't do it. Just don't do it. 
You know, you'd say, well, hang on. What if I just tell a story and I leave out certain details? That is a lie because you are leaving people with a false impression. What I'm suggesting to you is that we have just got to get serious. And that's why I said John's so confronting. He gets really real about some stuff. Let's get brutally honest. You got to stop justifying little things in your life that you know are wrong because you could repeat that pattern of behavior and end up being in a world of hurt. And you know what? If you want to walk in the light, just follow His Word. If you want to walk in the light, if you want to be with Jesus, then do everything that His Word says that you should do. Here's the third one. That was number two. Here's the third one. He says this in the second chapter of 1 John. This is all from 1 John. He says this in the second chapter. He says, you don't hate your brother. You, you, you can't hate your brother. And he says, you've got to forgive. There's something about forgiveness that is so powerful. Can I... Can I tell you something right now? If you can't forgive someone in your life, you are in darkness. And here's the worst part. You are bound up, held down, and you're keeping yourself there. Because at any moment, the moment you decide to forgive someone, it sets you free. You can forgive someone. They may never receive it. That's okay. It's not always about them. And here's, let me say this to you. You're sitting here today and you might say to me, but you don't understand my situation. Yeah, that's probably true. I don't know what's happened to you. I don't know how it happened to you. Maybe some really unfair things happened to you. But if you want unfair things to keep happening to you, hold a grudge. Because the moment you hold a grudge and you don't forgive people, you keep yourself in the darkness. And I'm telling you, you need to come out of the darkness. God is actually calling you out of the darkness. You can't stay where you are. This is what you need to know. This is so important. Get this this morning. What you tolerate, you approve of. What you are tolerating in your life, you approve of. And you approve of what you don't address. You approve of what you don't address. And the reason that's so important is that right now, without knowing it, because I said you may not know it, without knowing it, you could be in the dark and God does not want you to stay there. He does not want you to stay in the dark. You need to come out of the darkness. And I am about to give you a reason that is so compelling to do everything I just said. If you're not convinced by this next point, I can't help you. Listen to this. We know that everyone who's been born of God, spiritual rebirth, does not keep on sinning. What does that mean? First of all, he says, if you don't say you have sin, you're a liar. Now he says you will never do it again. Actually, no, we always sin. What he's talking about here is you don't make a practice, a habitual, intentional, purposeful walk away from God. Why would you do that? No one would ever do that if they understood things clearly. It says no one who's been born of God makes a practice of continuing to sin. But he who was born of God, that's Jesus, he who was born of God protects him and the evil one does not touch him. Do you understand that when you continue to sin and walk away from God, you actually put yourself in a position where you are open for the enemy to begin to touch your life? 
And the way that you close the door on things that are coming your way, the way that you do that, you make a deliberate and purposeful and intentional path towards God and you keep going after Him and it closes some of the doors. He says that if you make that purposeful intention to pursue Jesus Christ, then He will come and fight your battles for you and the devil will not touch you. Now, I don't know what more I can say to you this morning that would convince you. Is there anyone this morning that would like the devil to be touching their life right now? I don't see anyone here today that says that is a great idea. So what we've got to do is start to make a purposeful and intentional way towards God and continue to stand in the light. I don't want to let the enemy have permission in my life to to mess me up. It's time to step into the light so that Jesus will protect you and the devil can't touch you. That's what we just read. Now, I've said all these things and the truth is there is actually only one way for this to happen. Only one way. Now, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. But not everyone finds him. And not everyone has that eternal life. There's actually one way between where you are and where Jesus is that you can cross that bridge. And are you ready for this? This is exactly, I already gave you the answer. It's in the very first passage that we read. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You need to confess it. You need to just confess the things that are wrong in your life. You just need to be honest about it. You just need to be honest with yourself. And here's the crazy part. There are probably people sitting in this room this morning saying, this is for a new believer or maybe someone that's not a Christian. No, it's not. And let me explain why. When he says you've got to confess your sins, how many of us know that we should continually be keeping that short account with God? Because I don't want to approve of stuff in my life that I know is wrong. And if I just leave it and think that it's okay, I'm not confessing that stuff. I'm not being honest about where I'm at. The truth is you're not perfect. You probably already realize that. You're not perfect. There are things that are wrong with your life. And let me give you a great example of where something went wrong with my life this week. This week, I'm driving home. The truth is, I had a busy week. I had so much stuff going on. I had a whole heap of things, that time that I was going to spend with God. And the truth is, I just didn't get to spend the time with God that I wanted to spend. And I'm driving home and I wanted to let Him know that I wasn't okay with that. I said, God, this week, it just didn't turn out the way that... I wanted it to go. I had planned to spend that time with you and I didn't do it. And I just want to let you know I'm sorry because I made plans with you and I broke them. And when I did that, I'm making a course correction. I'm saying to Jesus, I'm saying, I'm not okay with this. I'm confessing to you right now that I'm actually not okay with the way I ran my week this week. And I'm asking you for forgiveness. What Forgiveness? What are you are you crazy? It's like you're already forgiven. Yeah, I'm continuing to refocus my attention and my energy and my purpose on God. And if I ever get off track, I say, oh, I didn't mean that. I'm sorry, God. Let me correct that course and just keep going after you. I want to keep pursuing Him in every area of my life. Can I tell you something that's going to sound so exclusive today? This will sound really exclusive. Jesus came and died for only one type of person. Only one type of person. You say, well, hang on, didn't he die for everybody? Oh, yeah, he did. That's true. 
But he only died for one type of person. He's standing with a bunch of people at a dinner table one day. Pharisees are outside. All these guys are inside. And he's standing there and he says, I didn't come to call the, the healthy. I came, to, I came for the sick. I didn't come for the healthy. And what's the, what's the point that he was making? The truth is, is that everyone is sick. Everyone has sin in their life. But the kind of person that he couldn't help was the kind of person that wouldn't confess it. They wouldn't say that they had a problem. The Pharisees, such a workspace mentality, they said, we're not sick, we're fine. He says, if you really believe that, I, it's going to be really difficult for me to help you. Because actually what we're supposed to do is confess. Do you know one thing that will cross the path and get you from where you are in that place of darkness to where you need to be in the light? It's actually repentance. How many of us understand that repentance is not some prayer you prayed once 10 years ago, whatever it is, it's a lifestyle. And you continue to say, God, I'm not okay with how things went this week. Uh, I'm confessing that before you today. I'm saying to you that I'm not okay with how everything went because the truth is repentance is the only thing that will save you. Yes, Jesus is the only one who can save you. But if you don't repent, the whole process falls apart. You've actually got to live a lifestyle of repentance. This is all out of 1 John. Do you know what he says? It says in 1 John that Jesus appeared for two reasons. He appeared for two reasons. Here's the first one. He appeared to take away sin and to destroy the work of the devil. That's why He appeared. To take away sin and to destroy the work of the devil. And the more you're walking in light, the more the devil's work is being destroyed. How can you fight something you can't see? Are you ready? I'm about to give you the answer. How can you fight someone that comes against you spiritually? I'm about to tell you right now. Well, you don't focus on Him for one second because focusing on Him is not going to help you. You know what you do? You switch your attention and you focus on Jesus. Do you understand that as you begin to focus on Jesus and walk in the light, automatically all the work that the enemy has been trying to do in your life begins to be destroyed? When you focus on Him, the enemy's work is destroyed. So all I need to do is walk in the light, stay focused on Him, do all the things that I said, repent, ask Jesus to be my Saviour, not violate my conscience and continue to explain away the little sins and the little things in my life and then justify it and be okay with it. I need to forgive people. And if I'm able to forgive people and, and, and do those other things and stay focused on Jesus, that everything that He's been trying to do begins to fall off automatically. I don't have to fight Him. I only have to follow Him. I don't have to fight the enemy. I've only got to follow my Saviour. And as I begin to follow Him, all the work that He's been trying to do begins to be destroyed. Do you know that you've been called to be a royal priesthood? You weren't created to sit in darkness. That's not what God's got for you. God's got so much more for you. He's got plans. He's got purposes. You have been chosen to walk in the light. And here is something that I think is really cool. I would like to think that I'm a chip off the old block. I would like to think that I'm my father's son. And Jesus, when he came, he destroyed the work of the enemy. And that is exactly what I want to do too. I want to destroy everything that he's been trying to do in the lives of other people. And you may have guessed this, 
but I am not the hero of this story. He is. And the way that I destroy what the enemy is doing in other people's lives is I say to them, keep looking to your Saviour. Keep looking to Him. Don't turn away. Don't violate your conscience. Don't explain things that you know are wrong. Don't leave things unaddressed in your life that you know are there, that you're just not dealing with because you don't want to confront it. It's keeping you in darkness. And if we keep pointing people to the light, we destroy the work of the enemy. Do you know when when I said, I've only had this experience a couple times in my life, but when I said I was going to go into full-time ministry, The devil came and he said these words to me, if you do that, I will take the life of your firstborn son before he turns five. He's six. And I said, you don't have the power or the authority to do that. My father has the power and authority to do that. You see how he would just get in and try to destroy things that God's trying to create. And the way that I fight that battle is I didn't say, I can take you on. I said, oh, but he can. I said, oh, hang on, wait a minute. Hey, why don't I just do this? I surrender and I'm victorious. I'm surrendering and I'm victorious. I don't need to do this. See, the hero of the story is Jesus. It's always Jesus. He's done it all. He's won it all. I just have to walk in it. And if I continue to point people and follow Him myself, I will stand victorious and at the same time destroy everything that the enemy is trying to do in people's lives. Is that not an awesome thing to do with your life? We trust you enjoyed this week's message. For any more information about Activate Church, check out our website www.activatechurch.com or download our app online and have a great week.